Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm delighted that you're with us today. My dear friends, once we learn a lot of the truth about what actually is going on, we come to know, just as Max Planck said, that what we experience as consciousness is primary. We come to see that we all are part of that core creative consciousness, and our minds really are eternal. And then, of course, we come to realize that we enter these bodies on Earth, grow spiritually, at which point it's only natural that we want to know more about how we can do that. So that's been the course of my life over the past few years. As you know, I've spent a lot of time and effort studying the gospel words of Jesus, and I found that the Lord's gospel teachings are, in fact, the easiest and the most effective method for achieving rapid spiritual growth. I had this all figured out by 2015 when Liberating Jesus was published. Then, late in 2015, I came across a truly wonderful book in which our guest today had arrived at precisely the same process for growing spiritually, and he had done it from the perspective of Easter religions. Well, I had to have him write on Seek Reality in December of that year. T.J. Woodward's Conscious Being, Awakening to Your True Nature, is a deeply wonderful book, especially if you're one of those people who's been so traumatized by that old-time religion that thinking about Jesus at the moment kind of gives you hives. I'm sure the Lord won't mind if you instead read T.J. Woodward's Conscious Being and follow its teachings. There's only one truth. After all, and it's a non-religious truth. My friend T.J. Woodward is a delightful young man. I've spent time with him in his San Francisco area haunts, and I hope to do it again. T.J. is a revolutionary recovery specialist. He's a best-selling author, an inspirational speaker, and an awakening coach who's helped thousands, countless, numberless people to heal and to grow. TJ's particular interest is in addiction and trauma recovery, and let me tell you, that is about the, the toughest row anyone can hoe, is trying to help people who are, have those troubles. So I admire him even for tr- attempting it, and apparently he's very good at it. He's the creator of the Conscious Recovery Method, which is a fresh and groundbreaking approach to viewing and treating addictions. His second book is Conscious Recovery, A Fresh Perspective on Addiction. It was released in December of 2017. TJ, welcome. I'm so happy you're with us today. Oh, thank you, Roberta. And I have had so much fun with you. This is our third time <laughs> together on your show. Yes. And I also had a lot of fun when you were here in San Francisco. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, this is, it's, it's been fun to watch you develop, frankly, and to watch your career develop. And I, I watched, a, we'll talk about it in a bit, but I watched a, a sermon you gave at a Unity Church on YouTube. I thought you were just wonderful. So I sort of have a sort of motherly pride about this whole relationship, I have to say. I mean, I think you're just prospering, and I'm so happy to see it. Oh, thank you. Now, for people who may not have heard our earlier interviews, please just tell us a little about your history, how you got here. Well, I think in in relationship to how conscious being came into being, uh, I was on a very interesting path early in my life. I had a lot of addiction, a lot of darkness. I got sober 
early in my life, around age 20, and my spiritual path began. And as you said, I was one of those people that fell into the category that Jesus just was not going to be part of my conversation. Right. So I became <laughs> really interested in Eastern thought, took a trip to India. So I've been on this spiritual quest for many years, but something happened that was really profound around the age 40. Uh, and basically my whole world fell apart when I listened to the inner voice that I wanted to, for the rest of the time that I'm blessed with here on the planet, be a spiritual teacher or really share a message of transformation. So you, you thought that was, that, that shocked you or that seemed like a, like a stretch for you? What, why was it upsetting? Well, it early in my life, I always knew that spirituality was something so important to me, and yet I had still a lot of, I think, some of my deeper work to do. I had a lot of trauma that I hadn't worked through from my childhood, and my 20s were really filled with seeking and searching and really looking outside of myself. And I met a woman named Mary Helen Brownell, who was this beautiful being of light. And I became a, a men, you know, she became my mentor and walked me through a lot of spirituality. But then in my 30s, I really kind of left the spiritual path and really got into um, my material life and becoming really successful. And I had lost touch with what was truly important to me. So around the age 40, I started having this inner knowing, maybe 38 to 40, that I wanted to really shift my life back to spirituality and be a spiritual teacher, work with people with addiction. And saying yes to that is when my whole world fell apart. So in some ways, it was surprising yeah. to me, and in other ways, not at all. Well, we have to sometimes fall apart in order to really come together, and maybe that's what was happening. But I did I hear you say that you got sober when you were 20? When did. did you when did you start to be an addict? How old were you? Well, I started drinking and using drugs around 13, but it was really oh. the last year, 19 and 20 that were the really um significant, let's just say a lot of addiction and a lot of feeling really empty and searching, searching, searching through drugs, through alcohol, through people, through anything to try to feel whole. Of course, I didn't know at the time that wholeness was was already inherently within me, that I was already right. well-being. Wow. Well, so you certainly know the kinds of suffering people go through because you've had your share of it. And when you were very young, so that gives me, and I think would give all of us insight into why helping people with addictions has become so important to you. When, when you you had that problem yourself, you really understand how they feel. Now, there are two aspects of your resume that I didn't mention because I'm not sure where you are in them right now. But um, you helped to found Agape Bay Area in Oakland which was the first satellite community of the Agape International Spiritual Center in LA. Uh, I I went I went to the to the to your center. It was a wonderful experience. So this this is something very big you did. You were the senior minister and spiritual director, but I gather you've resigned those roles last summer. Uh, could you talk about that? Yes, my I, you know, when I was around age 40, so this was almost 15 years ago, when I started having this vision, what came through is that I wanted to go into ministry. I was a member of Unity here in San Francisco. I had a long history with New Thought, 
And so ministry was really what I what I thought my path was going to be. And of course it is, but it's taken a little bit different turn or a different course. So I, I went back to school. I did all my education at Unity Institute, spiritual um, education, spiritual leadership, spiritual wow. counseling. And then I started an independent New Thought Center in uh, 2012. And then, of course, had the honor of affiliating with Michael Beckwith and the Agape International Spiritual Center about three years ago. And I just resigned last summer because I listened to the inner voice and it was pulling me more toward my recovery work. I'm still involved with Agape. I still love Agape. I still speak at different spiritual centers. But my primary focus, at least right now, is in conscious recovery. Are you still doing the Awakened Living TV and radio shows? I am not, Roberta. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's that's too bad because you were so good at that too. (laughs) Thank you. I I had my show on Unity Online Radio up until a few months ago. Um, I'm in the. I'm creating a lot of things right now in um, a studio. We're going to be launching new products. You'll be seeing some big announcements coming up soon. That's really where I've been putting a lot of my energy. Good for you. And wise you are to realize that there's a limit to what you can do and you want to do what you can do well. Uh, Unlike me, who tends to think I can do everything, which (laughs) certainly is never true. But um, I... What, what I'd like to, to do, we sort of said that today we would talk about, you know, finding your true purpose. Um, and I, that's something which uh, the energizing power of purpose was was the speech that I saw that you had given at Brentwood Unity. And I thought it was just beautiful and thoughtful and deep. And I got so much out of it. So I'd love to try to share some of those insights with listeners um, because, I hear from so many people who say they're seeking their life purpose and they they don't even know how to begin to do that. And and what I tell them is I wouldn't know my purpose except I uh, gave my life to God and then God told me what my purpose was pretty specifically. But it, it's, it's already inside you and it's not necessarily something by the world standards that's going to be big, but it's something by the standards of the universe, the standards of God that will be big. And not as not with the eyes of man does God see. But how what would you say to people who said to you, how you know what what what's how do I find my purpose? Well this is my favorite conversation and especially right now because I am almost finished with my third book, which is conscious creation. So I'm really talking about in this book, how we do step fully into our life's purpose. And you already said it so beautifully, most of us, especially in American culture, tend to think of purpose as an activity or a role we're playing. And what we're saying is really, it's about going within and recognizing that within each of us is the spiritual blueprint Right, So it's more about how we're being than what we're doing. And the more we focus on listening very intently to that inner voice, and this is how I've uh, led my life. This is how I went into spiritual teaching. This is how I recently had the knowing to move toward the recovery work. I listen to that inner voice and, and then act from there. Um, I'd like to just um, take a little detour because I think this feels like the right time and just tell you a little story and tell all of you a little story um, about this is directly related, amazingly. Um, I have a, a very dear friend 
who uh, has, is she's so closely attuned to her primary guide, and it's the guide's work, really, not her. She hadn't even looked for it. But at this point, her guide wakes her up in the middle of every single night, gives her a message, which she quickly writes down, and then she goes back to sleep every night. Two nights ago, her guide said, you continue to ask me, what is my purpose in life? What if I told you that you have fulfilled it when you took time to talk to that kid about his life? Mm. When you paid for that young couple to have dinner or when you saved the dog in traffic? Your problem is that you equate your purpose with a goal-based achievement. The universe isn't interested in your achievements, just your heart. When you choose to act out of kindness, compassion, and love, you are already aligned with your true purpose. So beautiful. Imagine so. waking up, getting that, writing it down fast, and going back to sleep. And she does this every night. Um, eventually, I think she's going to write a book. I think she certainly should. There's plenty of material there. But, but the point is, that's just what you said, right? It, it's yes. an internal thing. Yeah, and when when we really understand, when I really understood that there's an inner purpose and an outer purpose, and in my life, when I talked about my 30s, I had it backwards during my 30s. I thought that if I could achieve or become successful or reach my goals, that I could be happy and content. And so that whole decade was this outer search for something that was already within me. And when I understood at a really deep level, not just understanding it intellectually, but really got that we already have it within us and our truth yes. is to awaken to the love that we are and then be that in the world. And then the doing comes from that. In other words, conscious being leads to conscious. Yes. Per beautiful. Conscious being leads to conscious doing. Beautiful. Yes, that's where the title for my first book came from, because that was something that was so important to me mostly because I had done it the other way for that decade. And it was so painful at the end of that because truthfully, Roberta, I got all my goals. I, I did the vision boards. I did <laughs> yes. all of that, but I didn't feel any different. And then I thought, is this all there is? There must be something deeper. One of the things that you said, and I love this, is it's never too late to have a happy childhood. You also said children in the same household have had entirely different experiences. And everyone, think about that if you are from a group of siblings, and you'll realize it's true. Partly because we, you know, we're different birth order, where where we are born with maybe different strengths and, and weaknesses. But I don't think my sister and I lived even on the same continent, never mind in the same household. <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about how people who have had damaged childhoods that damaged them. How do we get past that? I mean, it's sort of like I was a baby and I had these awful experiences and now I'm an adult and I don't, I still feel wounded. Yes. And, and I, I really appreciate that you're bringing this up because it's so fundamental, both in my work in addiction and my work in helping people wake up to their true nature it's really important that when we talk about this, we're not talking about what we call the spiritual bypass. We're not saying, oh, what happened to you doesn't matter, because if it was really painful, it is significant. The issue is, it's not really what happened 
that creates what we call reality. It's what we decided about what happened. So in my experience, I had made all these decisions. I had a perspective about my mother, about my father, about our family, and I decided I wasn't lovable. My younger sister had a totally different experience. She came to different conclusions. So when I say it's never too late to have a happy childhood, I'm not trying to minimize the painful experiences. What I'm saying is we can literally go back and have a different decision about what happened and then therefore have a different reality about ourselves and the world. Wow. So how would you even do that? How, how would you go back and you had a... I don't know, you had a dad who was perhaps not as loving as he could have been, or he got drunk in front of you or some bad. How do you go back and make a different decision about that? Well, I love that you're asking it that way, because it is important that we go back. Because what happens, and this is why people can spend 20 years in therapy, because it's not about talking about it or recognizing the pattern. I remember when I was doing a lot of therapy, I got to a place where I understood where all my patterns developed, but what do we do with them? And so oh, my, yeah. my deeper work was going back to that little boy that felt so wounded, that felt so abandoned, that felt so alone, and really reintegrate and reparent and have a lot of love and compassion for my younger self, and then start to do the healing by giving him right? And I'm saying that very consciously, giving him the love that I didn't feel like I received. And then as that heals, then I have a different conclusion about myself and the world. And suddenly my world in the current reality or here in the 21st century is different. So that, all right. So what you do is help yourself, your younger self, your child self, understand that you really are lovable. Now, how, if, if you really feel broken, is, is there a way to get started down that healthier path? Yeah, I, I have a process in my Conscious Recovery Workbook um, that's an that's an inner child or a reparenting process. I'm certainly not the first person to talk about self-parenting, but I have a very specific um, pattern that I use, and that is going back to a situation that's painful from childhood and really creating a space to allow ourselves to feel. And I have three things I say to the child self, and that is one, it's okay for you to feel that way, whatever that is. Most uh -huh. of us didn't get that. And then the second one is, it's safe for you in this moment. And the third one is, I'm here for you. So we're, wow. we're literally reprogramming and reparenting all of the things we didn't really receive as children. So you can reparent yourself. Wow, that is really a, a great insight. Um, I had a perfect childhood, I think. I mean, that's it certainly seems to have been that way. So I'm tr I, I've been trying to, as you were talking about some trauma that I had. I think I was very self-protective, and maybe there, there are traumas in there, and I just covered them up. I don't know, but do you find that most people have had things in their childhood that they will benefit from reparenting themselves about and, and healing? Yes, even even the those of us who were fortunate enough to come from really loving homes, being born on planet Earth, and I know yes. this 
<laughs> you and I have talked about this. We come yes. into this world as these beautiful spiritual beings <laughs> filled with this information that love is who and what we are. And we come into a world that starts teaching us that's not true. Uh, that could be a, an experience at kindergarten. That could be something on the playground. It could be you know, I remember being really little. I can remember being in my crib. And at the time, we lived in a really small town in the Midwest. And my parents would go to the neighbor's house and leave the phone off the hook so that if the baby cried, they could hear it. But I remember waking up being about two years old and screaming in my crib Aww. because my parents weren't there. Now, some people might not identify that as traumatic, but for me, it was really traumatic. I remember feeling all alone in the world. So there's all different types of things that we might call trauma, but spiritually, most of us didn't get 100% of the time the message, you're whole and perfect the way you are. You are yes. God's essence. You are source energy. Most of us didn't get that. No. So is this, when you help people who are, because you work in uh, um, addiction facilities, right? You, you work with people who are, are even institutionalized trying to get over their addictions. Is this the kind of thing you do with them? Or is, can you tell us a little about that process? Yes, I I do work in treatment programs, but primarily now, and Roberta, this is really about what I've been working on since we last talked, I've created a whole system of care and a modality of treatment that is conscious recovery. I go into treatment programs mostly and train the uh, therapists and clinicians on how to hold someone in this spiritual space for their healing. I do still work directly with clients, but not as much as I did before. But this process of um, holding a space and seeing them as a whole and perfect spiritual being has a profound impact. The observer has a profound effect. Really? So, so the, the, this in, with the, the addiction is, in a sense, they're um, feeling damaged, and this is part of how they cope with it, is to have this addiction? Absolutely. I think for all of us, right, if, if I feel broken in some way, if I feel cut off in some way, if I've had a traumatic experience or I've decided there's something wrong with me, it's only natural that we're going to look to the world to try to heal that, right? So that might be a relationship, it might be food, it might be shopping, it might be drugs or alcohol. And what the, the healing work is not looking at just the symptoms, which is the addiction, but really looking deeply within at that place that feels wounded and beginning to, and then begin to heal that. Wow. Um, how long does it take? Uh, I'm Probably it's highly variable, but is this something which takes months and months to work through or even years to work through if people are, are addicted to drugs or alcohol or both? Well, I'll, I'll say it this way. It can take a lifetime and it can happen in an instant. Oh, wow. It's, it really just depends. I think there are so many, um, there, there are a lot of it that's an unknown. Um, I have watched people have miraculous, spontaneous healings, and I've seen people struggle for years and years with addiction. And do you know what makes the difference? You know, I don't. I would be lying if I said I did. I mean, what I do 
see though is when people get down to the deeper core issues what i call the spiritual issues which is a separation from that essential self when they really start to do that work of healing that i do see people get better and that's the whole purpose of conscious recovery is to help people get down to that those deeper root causes even that someone can have an experience where they you know, experience or recognize their their oneness, and then maybe they forget again. So for some people, it's a process. But the the more people do the deeper work, the more um, what we would call success, right? The less they're they're using drugs yes. and alcohol, and the, the more freer they are. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And conscious recovery. What what you? It's it's a book, but it's also a workbook. It's a book. It's a workbook. It's a whole system of care. Um, it's a way of being with people because so many clinicians, therapists, counselors are trained to look for what is wrong. Yes. They, they want to diagnose. And I know that's really well-meaning, but when we look at someone through the lens of brokenness, we actually create more of it. So conscious recovery is coming in and saying, what if we were to look for the wholeness within this person? Or another way to say it is innate within every spiritual being is the ability to heal. We need to create a space for that instead of looking at them as broken. Wow, that's all so profound. And and so you do, you're not taking, so for example, if someone says, oh, I want to talk to him about my addiction, you're not taking patients, uh, uh, subjects to, to counsel now, you're, you're mainly um, helping facilities, is that the case? It is the case. I do still see a handful of clients every week, but it's very, very uh, small group of people. And, and it's interesting, I was just talking with a colleague about this today, I love the hands-on, I love watching people transform, and I also, the inner voice, you know, that we were talking about, it became clear to me that I wanted to help more people, and the way I could do that was yes. to train others to, to have this experience. Yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. Some of the things you said in that, and I, everyone, there will be a link to this YouTube video so you can watch TJ in action, but many of the things you said really hit home to me so much as the kinds of things people really need to be thinking about. Um, it's so empowering when, when people realize that they are whole and healthy and perfect, once they get down to who they really are, that's what's there. That is so empowering. Because a lot of people are kind of afraid to know what's in there. Because, as you say, they were not uh, they were not raised to think that they're lovable and um, and perfect and all of that. But so, don't you find it's a wonderful feeling for people when they really get that that's who they are—that perfect being inside? It's absolute freedom, you know. And so many spiritual masters, um, especially Jesus, came to teach us about the love that we are, right? That love is who and what we are. Yes. And then of course, I know that's your that's your wheelhouse. But it's <laughs> right. So misinterpreted. Um, and and it's just amazing that that the spiritual truth in so many teachings is the same. And that is love is who and what we are. When I know that, my entire life changes. I, it seems to me that it would be it's easier i would think to get down 
and and rebuild yourself from the inside than it is to try to tweak things on the outside, maybe make a, a little change in this or that thought. But to get down to who you really are and discover that who you are, really are is beautiful strikes me as what would make all the difference. All the difference, because we can spend years trying to work on what we might call symptoms or like you said, like right. sort of the top layer and make these small changes. But ultimately, something profound happens when we really understand essentially who we are. And then reality seems to be totally different. It may be the same, but we've woken up differently. And therefore, we have a totally different experience about the world. So, so what would you say to someone who says, but I really want to know my purpose? Is there, do people say that to you as they say it to me? And, and I, I'm not sure what to say to them, except if you give your life to God, God will give it back to you arrayed in roses. But other than that, what, what do you say when people say that kind of thing to you? Well, it's actually the entire focus of my third book. So I, I, <laughs> okay. I mean, this That's good. the perfect conversation, but what I'll say at this moment is um, that we want to be able, we want to carve out time to be in the silence. Uh, so many of us try to create our life from our intellect and the intellect is powerful and useful but when it's running the show, we're being, we're creating out of an old program. We yes. can't do other than that. But when we tap into that God essence or that spiritual truth of who we are, we create from a very different place. So part of it is learning how to be still and really listening. So that's what I would say is the most important first step to carve out that time each day to be in the silence and ask that inner knowing what's mine to do today really it's how am i here to be today you said we are all perfect expressions of the one power if you if that's like a mantra if you think i am a perfect expression of the one power and sit with that in your heart. I think that would help to cleanse you of a lot of negativity. I mean, you are perfect as you are. You are God's perfect expression just as you are. I say that to people and they don't believe me, but I'm so glad you said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's huge. And I remember early when I was uh, doing some of this work, I too couldn't believe it. You know, my, my teacher, Mary Helen, would right. say, you're such a, you're a per perfect expression of God. You are a yes. precious being of light. And I would say, who, me? And I actually even thought it was kind of <laughs> arrogant to say that, right? Yes. That I didn't understand yet that what she was saying is, that's the core of each of us. That's how we came in. Yes. So when we really understand that and we can take that in, that's when everything changes. You said, as I am liberated, I naturally create a space for others to be liberated, which also is an empowering thought because we tend to think it's selfish to be focused on ourselves. But what you're really saying is, the way you help others is to first liberate yourself, and then you're able to liberate everyone else. Yes, and it's so popular in our culture now, Roberta, to talk about self-love, but it often gets translated through the personality. 
What, yes. we're, what we're talking about is understand that love is who and what you are. And when we get to that place, when we are liberated in that way, we naturally are a beneficial presence on the planet. Yes. This isn't about loving me as an individual or a personality self. I mean, that that's great too. What we're really talking about though is understanding that core vibration of who and what we are. And in that place, we're all one. We're and then, all one. Yes. Absolutely. You, you said everything I want to heal in the world is really me trying to fix myself. I thought, wow, that is so powerful. That sounds great. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote it down. I must have heard you say it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and that's exactly right, right? From, from many of us. If I feel broken, one of the strategies might be to try to heal others. But if I'm trying to heal from my place of brokenness, I'm going to see the other person is broken and I'm trying to fix them. And that really isn't going to be very beneficial ultimately because the person is really whole. And when I understand that for myself, when I'm truly liberated to that reality, then I'm being of service in the world in a very different way. I'm not trying to fix anyone. I'm recognizing that the true work is my own transformation. So powerful. I think especially for people who are in close relationships, whether it's a marriage or whatever relationship you're in that you feel is for life. It's very important to realize that all the things you see that are wrong in that other person are really areas of yourself where you feel that you feel are lacking. And I know this for a fact. I've been married 47 years. Um, I, I, I know this for a fact because about 10 years ago, I mean, my, my husband had so many flaws. I mean, I stayed with him out of the goodness of my heart. I loved him. But, you know, he had so many flaws. But then I went to work and seriously began to grow spiritually. I applied the teachings of Jesus as I teach people to do in The Fun of Growing Forever. And as you teach people to do in your book, too. And what I found was that as I began to grow spiritually, and you can feel it happening in yourself, I, I don't think I changed much at all. But he became so much nicer. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that amazing? It really is. Yeah. I never, I never told him that, but my goodness, he's wonderful. He is absolutely wonderful now. And he hasn't probably changed a lick. I was the one who needed to change. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> what do you want people to know about their possibilities and about what they can do with their lives? I mean, so many people want to be helpful to the world but they don't know how. And you've been helpful to the world already in so many ways in your life. Well, I would, I would say that I would start with going back to that message of spending time in the silence and really listening uh, and recognizing that we can be a profound, beneficial presence on the planet when we really understand who and what we are, right? And what I have found is when I catch a vision uh, for, for my life from that deeper place, I always have more energy to do it. I, I recognize that I have the skills to do it. Uh, so I don't feel depleted. I feel energized. So what I yes. want to offer to someone who's listening at this moment is to ask yourself the question, what are the infinite possibilities for my life? What if everything 
is already within me and it's mine to radiate. You know, the law of attraction is really, uh, you know, popular now. And I have shifted it from the law of attraction to the law of radiance. I'm here to radiate love. Oh, yes. Yes. I think it's helpful too if uh, to develop a, a relationship with your guide because we all have a primary guide and we also have usually a bunch of other guides too but if you if you're if something feels like it's attracting you some career some way of helping or or some way to just contribute in whatever way um, seems to resonate with you before you go to sleep every night, just say to your guide, please help make my path clearer, what you think is best for me. And if you if you do that and you do it every night for a while, the, the, the sort of avenues open up and you'll start to get a better sense of what of how your guides are guiding you. And my experience has been that my own guide is much, much better at guiding me than I ever was. I mean, his, his ideas are much truer to who I am. I, I could never, I could never see myself well, but he could. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, and be in the silence with your guide, as, as TJ said, um, what, one of the problems we have is that there's so much noise in our lives. Turn off the TV and don't pay attention to, to Facebook. It's amazing how much time you get back when you get those distractions, which are mainly negative, out of your life. Absolutely. And I love what you're saying because the messages are always here for us, right? And yes. it's about me creating a space of listening and receptivity. It isn't so much about finding the message in the universe. That's already all there. And that's why I've shifted from the law of attraction to the law of radiance. When I'm open, I see things, I hear things, I feel things that I didn't know existed before. And it feels like magic. It feels like we created them. Yes. And yet they've been there the whole time because now we're open and ready to receive them. And it makes you so happy when you feel that you are in synchrony with the universe and with your own guides, with God. That that synchrony is is there already but you've been fighting it. And when you stop fighting it and you yield to it, it feels so good. It's the best you can possibly do with your life. Yes. And then we come to a place and we, in my journey, I'll say it in my journey, I came to a place where I said, oh, my purpose is to simply be. I, did, <laughs> I thought I had to do all of this, yes. to, you know, to be happy. And all of a sudden I realized joy is who I am. And then the paradox is when I really understood that, then these messages about how to, what to do in the world came from that place of beingness. And, yes. you know, my life has just opened up in such beautiful ways because of that. Yeah, it really, I think we, we all think this is hard. It really isn't hard. We're fighting too hard. It's really easy. It's a matter of yielding. It's a matter of trusting and yielding to the powers that are greater than you are. And they will take care of you and they will help you to, to grow and to know who you really want to be. And as I say, it's the happiest you can possibly be. I've never been so happy in my life when I had, you know, more money and all this success and stuff. That never made me happy. Even having a family isn't as happy as finding that there are ways you can help people that are unique to you and you just have to find them yes so tj tjwoodward.com is your is your website now right it is yes so just get to know my friend tj because he is he's really a delightful guy i'm dying to see what you're going to do next 
but you feel really at home um, in this helping people with addictions, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and then I'm on to recognizing that with my third book, that it's really not going to be specific to addictions. And yet, in some way, if we use a broad definition of addiction, and the, the definition I use is when I use something outside of myself repetitively to try to feel whole or to try to yes. feel whole, that could be an addiction. And that could be just about anything, right? Like you said, we can be very easily addicted to our cell phones, to CNN, you know, to all of the, the, oh, the yes. lot of things we can be addicted. <laughs> 20 years ago, I decided I was just not going to watch TV anymore. And I thought it, I thought I'd miss it. I thought it would be like a, something I'd had to wean, wean myself away from. I never missed it. The first night, I had all this time in which to read. I made phone calls to friends. I can't tell you what a difference it made for, for, for the better in my life, never to, never to watch anything on TV again. Um, so I, I could tell you firsthand, everyone, it, you really won't miss it. it just, it's just a, a thief of time, and it's a thief of peace as well, because right, in that, right now there's so much negativity uh, in, in social media and on TV. You just don't want to pollute your mind with that. You want to be at peace and happy all the time, and that's your birthright. You have a right to be happy and not to have any of this stuff get in your in your way. And yes, the world will go on without you, and yes, somebody will be president, and it isn't going to matter. <laughs> it, won't, it won't matter at all. And there's nothing you can do about it anyway. Sometimes my husband will come to me about some issue or other in the world. And I'll say to him, is there anything I can do about it? And he's, oh, no, but this, this. I say, all right, well, then I, please don't just tell me. I don't want to know that happened. I'm sure it'll be fine. And he's used to me now. So he uh, he accepts that. But but don't you think that's true, that we, we put ourselves in the way of negativity? And, and that also is a thief of, of our own peace of mind. Absolutely. And if you look at the Buddhist definition of suffering, which is clinging and aversion, I want more of that and less of that. And if my well-being is hinged on or connected with who is president, I'm going to suffer. <laughs> right? yes. I am going to suffer because guess what? My candidate, whoever that is, isn't always going to win. No, now, and if he does, he could do an awful job. So you'd say, oh, why did I ever want him? It's just, <laughs> we, we get tied up in these things which can we cannot ever influence. And all they're just thieves of our own peace of mind. I yeah, that's funny. And, and there's, for me, there's something important to add to that. It doesn't mean we don't participate in the world. And the most profound teaching of Jesus to me is be in the world, but not of it. Yes. We can participate in politics. We can participate in all sorts of things. The issue for most of us is we believe we're participating in it because we need to fix something or change something or we need yes. to struggle or fight. But when we recognize that love is who we are, and this is what Jesus was saying, then we can be in the world as that and we're not thrown around by the world, by who's president or who's not president or what happened in the news cycle today or what we read on Facebook. That is so profound, TJ. Be in the world, not of the world. He did say that. Yes. And he taught people how to do that. You render to Caesar what is Caesar, Caesar's, but render to God what is God's. And you are of God. You are, you are a perfect being, a perfect reflection of the Godhead right now. 
And that's who you deserve to be. That's the happiest you can be. Oh, my goodness. You and I could talk for days. I'm going to come out to San Francisco, I think, just to, just to hang around a little bit. Yes, for sure. We could <laughs> talk for days. I imagine we could probably do a show for about 12 hours without yes. a break. <laughs> yes. Well, we have other things that, that we will talk about uh, other times. But you're one of those people, I think, that um, we'll always find something to talk about. When is your new book coming out? The new book should be in the spring. My intention is to have my part finished by December 31st, and then it'll be off to the editor and the publisher. So hopefully spring, I would say summer at the latest. Okay, well, we'll, we'll have you back when, when the new book is fresh out. How's that? We'll, we'll come that, up with the time. That is wonderful. And um, everyone, I'm sorry, we're coming to the end of our time. What do you want to leave people with? Is there any special thought? You've given us so many. I don't know how you would ever choose. Well, I think what I want to say is what I always want to say to someone. If no one has told you today, you are a whole and perfect, precious being. You are love. You are light. It's already who and what you are. You can call off the search and rest in this reality. Return to your original perfection. I know that's who you are. And when you really understand that, happiness becomes your way of being. And there are people now listening who are saying, he sounds just like Roberta. Well, you know, that's the thing. When, 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 we are, when we're doing this work, we do come to understand all the same truths. Now, he came to them from Eastern religious thought in which he is pretty much steeped. But as you can see, he also is more than noddingly acquainted with Jesus, too. It's all one one set of thoughts, and it's all the truth. Well, bless you, dear. I'm so glad that you came today. And we will, again, talk in the spring. Thank you so much. Consider yourself hugged. Everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm, I'm so glad you could be with us today with my wonderful friend, T.J. Woodward. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get that, and you will, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, here for the second time, and by popular demand, I should add, will be Father Nathan Castle. Once in a while, we have a guest who really captivates, for some reason, the Seek Reality audience, and Nathan is one of those people. He was first with us last spring to talk about his terrific book, I loved his book, Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls to Cross Over. After he was here, I heard from lots of people who were fascinated by his story. Father Nathan has been a Catholic Dominican priest for four decades. He's he's in he believe it or not, he's in good standing with the Catholic Church. And yet Father Nathan, for close to half of that time, has been helping people who had lost their physical bodies at what was not a planned exit point to make it to the next plane of life. He does spirit rescue work. It wasn't his idea. The spirits decided he was someone who could do this well. And more than, you know, a couple decades ago, they started coming to him with people who needed to be rescued. Now, how do people get into this position? Commonly, it happens in war. There's a lot of this work that has to go on in wartime anywhere in the world. Uh, it happens if people are, you know, in an unexpected accident. Most accidents are planned, but sometimes they're not. But people can then make be in a position where they really can't or they won't go to the next level. And Father Nathan is one of those wonderful saintly people who is able to attract them and help them to cross. He calls it an interrupted death experience. And 
Uh, I have to tell you, um, very little can I learn at this stage because I've spent my life doing this work. But when I met um, Father Nathan, I came to see this is a new phenomenon I was not aware of. And it's a huge one. The, the need is tremendous. So please do jo- join us next week when we talk with Father Nathan again. You're really going to love his stories. This week... Here for the third time has been T.J. Woodward. I first discovered T.J. when I read his wonderful, wonderful book, Conscious Being, Awakening to Your True Nature. I recommend it highly. It's one of the few books that I've pulled from my present reading and put into my permanent reading list to recommend to people. He, He arrived at the teachings of Jesus, but from the viewpoint of Eastern religious thought. And he's also the creator, as he said, of the conscious recovery method, which is a groundbreaking and apparently very effective approach to viewing and treating addictions. Now, just so you know, uh, addiction counselors tell me it's an it's exhausting work. It burns them out so quickly, but it doesn't seem to have that effect on TJ, which tells you something about how wonderfully what he has come up with really does work. That's where his d- attention is now, but he's got a new book coming out. We'll see where his attention will go there. As my friend's guide said, finding your own life's purpose may be as simple as showing more perfect love every single day as you move through the course of your life. And if you do that well, you'll find that everything will begin to come together for you. Um, you, Maybe you'll need to move past some addictions and weaknesses. Maybe you'll have to mend some things in your childhood that weren't as beautiful as they should have been, but you have the power to do that. And TJ has the methods that will help you. But you do have the power to become completely and gloriously the being that actually you already are. Now, as you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and eventually, very soon, and it's going to come out early next year. By the way, this book has been written for two years. It's entirely Thomas, my guide, who has put it off, but he says now it can come out early next year. It's called The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. There's the fun of meeting Jesus, a picture book for children, and we'll have the fun of growing with Jesus also out early next year, another beautiful picture book. You can find my books in bookstores or order them that through bookstores and on Amazon.com, and the adult books are also available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about anything, anything at all, just contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every email. And past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeart, and a bunch of other places, including the wonderful, wonderful Dream Vision 7 radio family. There's also a free Seek Reality app in the iTunes store, which apparently, I'm told, gets each new episode of Seek Reality automatically. My dear friends, I am thrilled to be able to bring to you people who can help you in your life. And if there's someone that you can think of that you would like to hear me interview, I'm all ears. Just please, again, contact me through the Seek Reality block on robertagrimes.com. We'll talk again soon. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular, most of all, are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. 
Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.